ora and welcome. You're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast and I'm Boris Lamont. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're on site at the Teikano Estate in their soon-to-be-completed tasting room above the Kauruau River in central Otago, New Zealand. So let's go have a chat now with Dave Sutton, the winemaker at Teikano. So hi Dave. Hi Boris. We're sitting here on a gorgeous day um, in the uh, yet-to-be-completed um, tasting room for uh, Teikano, and it's looking pretty spectacular. We're very lucky to be getting, I suppose, a little sneak preview of yep. what everyone else is going to be able to enjoy. It's um, it's a unique and quite remarkable view out on the Calderell River and uh, out around Fountain Road. And you brought the weather with you. Yeah, one yeah, out of the box. Could, yeah, you yeah. couldn't get much, much better day. So it must be pretty exciting for you seeing all this, seeing oh, all this happening. It's magic. Yeah, I think this is a real slice of heaven where we are right here. So yeah. it's great to be able to show it to you. Yeah, no, thank you. It's um, it's quite exciting. Just got the old um, hawk or falcon drifting by there, um, and just a, such a great elevation. Mm, exciting, and I suppose um, you know some of our listeners will be listening to this later on. They'll be actually able to come and um, come and have a visit. It will be open by the time they might get to listen. So you're hoping to about sort of end of 2019. Yeah. So mm. this coming spring slash summer will be our first season operational. Yeah. No. And um, it's so many be, more after that. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great place to come to. So, Dave, how did you? How did you get to be sitting here right now in uh, in this amazing spot? Well, it's a, I guess, a long journey, as most things in life are. Um, I never really set out to be the winemaker of a wine company, but right. um, I knew I always wanted to do something with wine. But my original journey started at Lincoln University. Okay, so sort of pretty much straight out of school, did you? Yeah, yeah. Yep, you I, had that sort of lurking around in your head while you were still at school that maybe that was the industry for you? And Yeah, I had yeah. a fantastic horticulture teacher. I grew up in Wellington. Yep. And, um, you know, I always knew I wanted to do something working with plants, but, you know, I was a city kid and wasn't really cut out to be a farmer. Yeah. Um, and so this guy, Dean Shepard, he put it in my head that maybe horticulture was something I should pursue. So, right. Ah, okay. So okay. straight away I went to Lincoln and did right. my three years of study. Yeah. And... Um, out the back of that, I, I was awarded a scholarship to a company called Matador Estate. Um, I don't think they run it anymore, but at the time they used to take one graduate a year from Lincoln mm-hmm. and put them through this kind of viticultural work training program. Yep. And where, where are they? Where are Mat- where's Matador? So Matador is in uh, Marlborough, mm-hmm. and in the 80s it was set up by a guy called John Weber, really interesting dude. Um, he used to make boxes and he was friends with all of the Nobelos and stuff, all mm-hmm. the, you know, Dalmatians in the wine industry. Yes. And he just kept noticing that more and more and more wine boxes were coming through his box plant. And so he called up his mate Nick and he's like, you know, what's what's up with all these wine boxes all of a sudden? And Nick said, you should sell your box plant and get into grapes. And so he did. So oh. John, <laughs> John basically <laughs> sold up and planted what what was at the time the biggest privately owned vineyard in Marlborough. Oh, right. And um, has just gone from strength to strength. Yeah. But he found that graduates coming out of Lincoln were full of theory but light on practical, and so he set up this graduate program. Right. So it was a year in Marlborough, 
uh, a year in Langhorne Creek, South Australia, mm-hmm. and then six months in California. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. Great. And um, any particular highlights out of that, or was it all sort of a, a lot to take in, just having come straight out of Yeah, it was, it was a lot to take in. Um, it was just a really good grounding and kind of working your way up through an industry. Yeah. So. Um, was really starting at the bottom and like learn all of the basics yep. right the way through and a year in a cool climate like Marlborough mm-hmm. and then a year in a hot climate like mm-hmm. South Australia mm-hmm. um, was just a really good intro into the world of viticulture and you know an insight into what it means to do every single job in a vineyard. Yeah yeah, yeah. and then be able to compare that again to what was happening in the US too. Yeah so yeah. Uh, the States was kind of a sweetener at the end of it um, I worked a, a harvest at a contract winery over there, um, and that really opened the door to my kind of journey in wine from there. Right. That first taste of travel and that first harvest experience just really blew my mind. Yeah. And um, I just decided to keep it rolling. So right. from there, I traveled through South America and worked in Chile. Okay. And then... In, in wineries? In, in, in a winery, yep. yep. So yep. I worked in a... A place called Rengo, which is about an hour south of Santiago. Yep. And then from there, and sorry, and what, and what varieties were you, were you working with there? So uh, Rengo was in a valley called the Cachapual, which is a kind of cooler climate valley heading up into the Andes. Mm. And so it was traditional, you know, robust reds. So um, Merlot, Cab Sav, uh, some Malbec, and some Carmenere. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little bit cooler climate, and they are doing some really interesting things there. Mm-hmm. So they would do stuff like press a tank of Cabernet, and if the skins were good, they would fill that tank again with Merlot and kind of have ah. these really extended kind of skin wow. maturations, sometimes going two, three, four months, wow. and just keep keep it rolling, keep mm. stuff on skins, keep pressing onto it, keep pressing off it. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was a really interesting place to work. Yeah. And a yeah. different sort of snapshot of the Chilean wine industry, you know, yeah. which can be seen as a little bit bulk wine at times or, you know, mega wineries. Mm-hmm. This place was family run, really attention to detail and uh, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, um, I suppose by that time already you'd, you'd done, had experienced New Zealand, Australia, uh, North America and, and South America. That's, that's right, like yeah. Nice breadth of regions to... Yeah, so I figured why stop there, yeah. and so <laughs> I just, <laughs> keep going. I just kept going. So from Chile, I went to Spain or uh, Penedès, which is in Catalonia. Mm-hmm. So I, they would say it's not quite Spain. Um, so I did a sparkling vintage there, making cava, mm-hmm. uh, and that same harvest I went to Germany. So I did a back to back in Europe. Yep. Um, so I worked at Dr. Lozen in the Mosul Valley. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, just kept going and going. So yeah, right. I okay, would, I did that for about four years, just bouncing between the north and the south yeah. hemisphere. Yeah. Okay. So great breadth of regions and varietals, and yeah, yeah. and just trying to satiate my thirst for knowledge. I yeah. suppose. Yeah. I, you know, every time I went to a place, I would just become engrossed by the not just the different techniques of winemaking, but the way it kind of affected people's culture. Mm-hmm. It was really immersive to live in these wine towns and, yeah you know work with people go to their parties you know eat with them yeah it was a totally different travel experience than you would get just 
visiting. Just passing through. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's right. And so how long did you say you were? Four years, did you say you were? Yeah. So I, I just kept bouncing back and forwards. Yep. And eventually I bounced to Central Otago and worked a harvest in Peregrine. So that was in 2010. Right. And um, I went back to France after that. And then Peter Bartle, who I worked for at Peregrine, he called me up and said, you know, I'm moving to a contract winery called Vinpro. And if I wanted a job, I should come see him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was about ready to settle down. Yeah. And um, so I took him up on the offer. Right. Okay. And where was that? So that was at Vinpro here Mm -hmm. in Central Otago. Yeah. So that's one of the primary kind of custom crush or contract winemaking facilities in the region Mm -hmm. and makes it a huge breadth of wines, but all of them are really high quality. So they've... Their numbers of clients fluctuate, but somewhere between 10 and 20 clients. Right, okay. Um, but making a huge number of wines. So sometimes 110 wines might come out of a harvest, Gosh. each of those made up of multiple components. Yeah. So you're really seeing fruit from all over the region, mm. all different winemaking techniques and styles, all different approaches. And so five years of that was a really great sort of gateway into Central Otago and yeah. a way to really hone the craft, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's great. As you say, I mean, that's 110. That's a, it's a lot to have visibility across, you know, and just even if they're just, you're getting um, some uh, view of what's going on, you're still, it's all... It's, it's busy, all, yeah. Mm. I mean, I've worked in some really big wineries, you know, huge wineries, in fact, and the winemaking there was a lot easier than you know, the 800 tonnes we did at Vinpro Mm. because Mm. those batches at Vinpro all require the same input Mm. in terms of workload, but they might only be 500 litres up to 1,000. Whereas, you know, you could make 200,000 litres of Sauvignon Blanc and um, it would still require the same winemaking input. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, it's easier to make that 200,000 litres of Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ah, Okay, good. And so that was... um, Good five years with um, Vimpro, did you say? Yeah, yep. five years, and um, then this kind of eventuated. So, uh, Takano Estate is owned by a lady called Rhonda Lloyd. So she's a Californian um, by birth, and married to a New Zealander. So, in 2015, they decided to, you know, turn their passion for wine into a, an actual venture, and they bought a couple of vineyards here in Bannockburn, Central Otago. Mm-hmm. And so the fruit had started coming through Vinpro and, you know, they were, you know, doing a few little test areas here and there, making a little bit of wine. And then in 2016, they decided that they really wanted to give it a crack. And that's when they kind of brought me on board with them. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, so it's started doing production yourselves from then or... Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of grown. Yep. So the fruit off this vineyard where we are right now um, has always been sold. Yep. Um, and so they were kind of moderating it bit by bit, so selling some fruit and making a little bit of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most of the 2016 vintage was sold. Yep. Um, and then in 2017, we really launched into it and actually made everything into right. wine. Right, okay. Okay, good. Yeah, and so we're sitting here on... Um the Fountain Road sort of site, and yeah. but you've got a couple of other sites, or you've got the new one, haven't you? Which is um, we do, yep. Up so, the lake. 
Um, Takano is an interesting sort of brand. Um, currently, our, all of our wines are made from Bannockburn. Mm-hmm. So we've got a vineyard here called Eliza, which is four and a half hectares on Felton Road, uh, all Pinot Noir. And we've got another vineyard in Kenmuir Terrace, which is the other side of Bannockburn Inlet, mm-hmm. um, which has a little bit of Chardonnay, some Pinot Gris and some Pinot Noir as well. Um, but the kind of future or the long-term vision for the brand is at Northburn, which is the glacial terraces to the east of Lake, Lake Dunstan. Mm-hmm. And that's where the bulk of our planting is. So right. we've got 32 hectares in the ground up there now right? Uh, with plans for more expansion. Yeah. And so is that existing uh, vines that you bought or have you planted those just... These vines years. here in Bannockburn have got age on them. Yep. So uh, the Eliza Vineyard where we're sitting was planted in 2002 mm-hmm. and Jerome out of the vineyard was planted in 2008. So fortunately we've got old vine material to work with. Yep. Um, but that area in Northburn is really a totally unknown territory. It's a whole new kind of area of viticulture in the region. Yeah. There's already a, a, a vineyard in Northburn, which is owned by Cloudy Bay, but mm-hmm. it's quite different. It's a lot lower down. Um, the soils down there are, are quite different to what we're working with higher on the slopes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty much unexplored terroir at this point. Yeah, yeah, good. And so what have you? What varietals have you got up there? It's mainly Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. uh, about 74%. Um, we've got a little bit of Riesling. Uh, we've got a little bit of... Gamay, a little bit of Cabernet Franc, mm-hmm. just to experiment a little bit. Um, we've got some Pinot Gris. We've got a lot of Chardonnay, actually. Okay. So yeah. we're on track to have the biggest single Chardonnay planting in the region. Wow, yeah. Um, so that's going to become a kind of focal point for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Chardonnay of interest to you, sort of getting into getting into that a bit more? Yeah, yeah. I think Central Otago Chardonnay is kind of this lurking, mm. you know, underrated thing. You know, you drink Chardonnays from here, they've got such purity, such minerality and drive, and there's just so few of them that, you know, in the wider wine, wine community, often they're totally unknown. Mm. People don't know that we're a Chardonnay-producing region, but mm. they've got real finesse. Yeah. And I think long-term, that's going to be a real important part of what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, exciting. And and continue on with those other varietals as well, the Riesling and... Yeah, yeah. the Riesling's a small amount. Um, it's always good to have some Riesling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, telling me. And um, yeah, we, we were interested in exploring some kind of cool climate reds, um, but slightly warmer climate than Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, that particular site has some really hot areas. It's all north-facing. Uh, it gets full-day sun, and the soils are very schisty. Um, so we were planting in 2018, which was just this hellaciously hot vintage, and walking around up there, it was 42 degrees wow. on one of the blocks there. Wow. And, you know, we're kicking around with the vineyard manager and saying, you know, this is too hot for Pinot, you mm. know, it's, which isn't something you'd expect to say in Central Otago. Mm. So we started exploring, you know, we still need a wine which is going to be in the cooler fringes, um, but a bit more warm climate than Pinot Noir. Right. And that's how we set it on Cabernet Franc. Right, okay. So yeah. we're aiming to make something more in the Loire style of Cabernet Franc, mm-hmm. a bit crunchier and fresher, not the Bordeaux style. Um, 
and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. And um, you enjoy working with Pinot Noir? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, it's yeah. what we do best. Yes. It's um, a fantastically expressive varietal. And just across our two vineyards in Bannockburn, we get this incredible breadth of kind of structure and flavour and texture. So once Northburn comes in, we'll have this whole huge colour palette to paint with. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah. And so will you do? Will you blend from the different um, different? Yes. Yep. Yes, we will. At the moment, our estate Pinot Noir is a blend of our two Bannockburn vineyards. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is incredibly structural, um, very angular, very tannic, um, very brooding. And this vineyard, Eliza, is a lot kind of plusher, softer, um, more giving, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And so neither of them at the moment is a truly complete wine. Um, so the best wine that we've found is actually a blend of the two. Blend, yeah. Do you do single vineyard production? We will. As well? Yeah, you will. Um, yeah. At the moment, you know, we're a relatively new brand. We've been around since 2017. And we're just conscious that, you know, it can be a bit confusing, you know, totally new brand on the scene and launching with five different Pinot Noirs. Right. Might yep. be a bit of a yeah a hard kind of message to, yep. to tell. Yep, sure. So we just really wanted to pick the batches which were expressive, make the blend which we felt represented us and what we're trying to achieve in a yeah. winemaking sense, yeah. and then just roll out with that single wine first first of all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, that's um, that's exciting. It sounds like you've got <laughs> you've got to have quite a bit going on the next uh, few years. And um, yeah, apart from you know just personally having a baby on the way in five weeks' time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That is obviously more important than all of this. Yeah. <laughs> but there's definitely a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of challenges ahead. Yeah. Um, that's right. Yeah. Good. And so um, you're building a bit of a, a team now as you're as you're growing, sort of. Um, yeah, we yeah. are. I mean. This kind of venture literally started with me having to, you know, set up an email address. Right. So <laughs> it's been a, a real, a really interesting journey from literally nothing yeah. to, you know, a complete company. Yeah. So now we have five permanent staff and growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's been one of the most rewarding aspects of the whole thing, actually, has been setting up a a new company and the company culture to go with it. Yeah, so, yeah, nice. Yeah, you know, trying to promote a culture of excellence, of belonging, yeah, and really live the values which we talk about. You know, in a marketing sense. Yeah, we we really want those to be a core part of what we do every day. Yeah, and on on that, um, Takano is um, where did that where did that come from as a? So Takano is Maori for the seed, mm-hmm. um, and it came about just walking around on the Northburn landscape before it was a vineyard when it was just a twinkle in the eye so to speak um and i was talking to Rhonda about what it is exactly that you know you're trying to achieve here you know what's what's the mission you know are we trying to grow grapes or mm-hmm. is it bigger than that yeah and um there's this huge old kofi tree above the property it's just massive it's like a 400 year old tree wow. and really the only native tree surviving in that whole 100 hectares of North Bend Vineyard. Um, and so she pointed at that tree and said, you know, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a legacy. You know, we're trying to regenerate this place and make something which will be here in 400 years. Mm. And so 
you know, we wrote down our brand values, which are life, land, and legacy, and that's kind of dictated our approach. Mm, nice. So that tree forms the centre of a big conservation project, which we run at Northburn. So we harvest seed every year off it and off other natives on the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, we propagate all our own natives and we're mm-hmm. planting thousands and thousands and thousands. Oh, cool. Across across your properties? Yeah, yeah. mainly at Northburn. Yeah, so right. Currently, we're at 5,000 natives planted. Wow. And with the propagation house that we have and a dedicated propagation team, mm-hmm. we're aiming for 5,000 a year. So, you know, 400 years from now, there'll really be a little forest there. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah, no, it is, and um, it's it's interesting. It's something that's come up in a couple of conversations um, for us in this visit down here is about um, uh, you know preserving the landscape. Let's talk about preserving the landscape, but this is not the original landscape. You know, like when you look up at the hills here, it was probably a lot of beach and forest, and you know, below the below the you know up to the tree line, it would have been. And um, and you know, I've have heard a bit more talk about um, you know planting back. Um, and um, being a bit more focused and um, deliberate, I suppose, about that. So that's that's exciting. Yeah, we're fortunate in Central Otago that that's a real focal point for what people are trying to do. Mm. We're the region with the highest level of organics of any of the wine regions in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and people do feel a real sense of you know giving back to the land, so mm. to speak. Mm. It's a really severe landscape. It's one which has been quite punished by humans. Mm. Um, and so being able to plant those natives and actually chop out the briar, which was brought by us, and give the native species the chance to come back is yeah. incredibly satisfying. Yeah, yeah. And so do you have to, do you, do you have to actually get rid of the, the briar? Because um, yes. I know we're, we're having this conversation as, as well recently with gorse. You can plant, as soon as the canopy comes above it, it'll, it'll die off if it can't get any light. But Yes. But Brian, no, you've got to no, get no. In there and <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> rip it out. If you ever tried to chop out Briar, it's uh, yeah, no, not I haven't, one of life's great pleasures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we've we've cleared about a third of the kind of uh, regeneration area so far, and we're oh. we're aiming for a third, a third, a third. Right. Okay. So hopefully, yeah. four years from now, there won't be a stitch of it left. Oh wow. Okay, well that's ambitious. Yeah, yeah, the the project is ambitious. Yeah, it was really jump in boots and all, and just really go for it. Yeah, I mean, because that's a lot of propagation too. To if you're doing it from, you're doing all of that from. We started yeah. out with the Polytech here. Mm-hmm. They've got a fantastic uh, native propagation team, right. and especially Joe Wakeland. She yeah. she heads them up. Yeah, nice. And so she gave us a lot of good advice. She set out the kind of bones of. Uh, you know where to focus some areas are easier than others so we've got uh, water which runs year round through Mm -hmm. two of the three gullies Mm -hmm. and so those were kind of like the low hanging fruit to pick so we cleared those first and then We've managed to plant through those with water-loving species, so flexes, toy toys, okay, you yeah. know, pure, mm-hmm. all through that kind of low-lying area, and now we're able to start spreading up the slope. Right. Okay. So yeah. It's good. about okay. kind of picking the spots yeah. which are most likely to work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Well, not yeah. getting defeated too soon. That's right. Yeah. No, you want to you want to be encouraged. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And it's about just getting that advice, isn't it? To, yeah. yeah. And it's just a fantastic way to get buy-in from the whole team you know mm. we all love the the conservation project mm. it's a really great thing for us as a company to mm. be able to do mm. um, it makes everybody really proud yeah yeah oh good and um 
Yeah, so as, you know, as we've said, you've got um, quite quite a bit on the go, and we're just we're sitting here in the um, you know a couple of months away to be completed um, tasting room, but that's going to be another you know so a few more staff to bring on there, and yeah, yeah. that's right. Yep, the growth continues. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's exciting. So this tasting room is really going to be important to us, a place to invite people into our home, so to speak, and mm-hmm. share a little bit of that story. Um, when you've only got that, you know, 20 mil by 20 mil back label to try and tell people what you're all about, yeah. sometimes it's not that easy to convey. Well, you, you certainly can't convey this. <laughs> yeah, it's magical. We're looking at the view right up now. the Kaurau yeah. and, you know, we've got the sluicings to our left. You can see the vineyards around us. Yeah. It's really magical location and I think it really kind of is like a highlights reel of, of yeah. Bannockburn for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 cool, and the, and the way you've done it here with the containers and the yeah, that's yeah, right. use of materials. Yeah, we just tried to approach it from a slightly left of field way, I suppose, and look at different ways that we could use the land. So we've set these up, cantilevered out over the vineyard below us, yep. and really making use of the terrace that we have naturally here, and trying to give people the sense that they're just floating in the vineyard. Yeah, and you, d- you certainly get that when you're out on the deck there because um, you are actually just above the, just above the vines, which is, yeah. which is pretty special. And, yeah, such a good, great elevation. It's put a whole new level of pressure on our vineyard team. <laughs> make it look good. They joke that they feel like they're constantly being watched. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they will be. They will be. Yeah, yeah. It'll be the short straw that gets to go down there. And yeah, do, that's do, right. Do the work. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, very good. And we so we um, we always finish on a question: if you could have uh, any glass of wine with anyone. Um, at any location, and I'm sort of, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I don't know that um, there's a there's a lot other you know more great places to sit than this, but um, you know, obviously personally there are. So what would what would that be? What would that be for you? I think I'd have a glass of Latash, mm-hmm. um, and I'd have it with my two grandfathers who right. I never met, and and just for listeners, Latash is a uh, Domaine de la Romani Conti. It's right. a fantastic red burgundy. Right, okay. Cool, um, cool. But, yeah, I never got the opportunity to meet either of my grandparents. And right. It would have been, well, my grandfathers. Yes. And it would have been fantastic to have them here and just kind of show grandson's them what I'm up doing. to. Yeah, yeah. Were they, were they, did they both live in New Zealand? or? Yes, yep. that's right. So mm. uh, I'm originally from the North Island, but my dad's family, they're all from... Uh, the Hakataramia, which is in the kind of South Canterbury, North Otago. Mm-hmm. And then my mother's family, they're all from Dannyvirk. They're all okay. Swedish descent. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And just, uh, yeah, so that and, and sitting here with them would be pretty be It'll pretty be special. special. This is what I'm doing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Pops. Hopefully making two. them proud. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sure it would be. That's fantastic. Hey, thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having us here. And... Um, yeah, it's um, it's pretty it's a pretty special place. So if uh, anyone's listening to this and they're thinking about where they can go and have a glass of wine, um, while they're down sort of in in Cromwell Way, I think it's uh, oh, we'd love to see them. Yeah, and I think they'd love to be here. Fantastic. Hey, thanks again. Cheers, Boris. We've been speaking with Dave Sutton from Tecano Estate. 
uh, in Felton Road above the Kauraua River in central Otago, New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more, you can go to teikanoestate.com. That's T-E-K-O-N-O estate.com. And also be sure to check out some of the other great New Zealand wine podcasts where we have a chat with other people involved in the wine industry in New Zealand. And pop along to podcast.nz where you can listen to podcasts on some other great topics. And this episode was brought to you by bizebu.com. If you've got a great business idea, then let's get it started. B-I-Z-E-B-U.com. So thanks for listening and we appreciate your company. Hey, Kona mai. Bye for now.